Hey, it's Sonia. Welcome to another episode of Men Explain. And this topic here today was actually addressed a little in a previous episode where I asked, is it okay to love more than one person at once? And to answer my many questions, I have a whole list, by the way, we have Gabe. So hi everyone, I'm Gabe. I'm in my early 30s. Um, I practice polyamory. So that is really interesting to me because I've never actually met a person who's openly talking about this. Can you please just run me through how exactly did this come about? Like, did you communicate this with your partners? You know, like how, how did you decide to be so open about it? To start things off, um, I decided on polyamory because of my values um, and belief towards life and relationships. Um, prior to entering or, or even exploring any relationship, I would always bring it you know, in full disclosure to, uh, for the upfront knowledge, yeah. But from the beginning of time, like, didn't you start with just monogamy? No, I didn't. Never? Yeah, I never. So you just knew that it was for you, polyamory? Yes, yes. Um, the way that I saw it was that relationships were quite, not say complicated, but you know, they were quite complex in their nature. Um, and my personal view is that each one of us are quite unique individuals, unique beings. Um, we have a unique past, you know, history, present, and even future dreams and expectations. So the way that I see it is, a lot of times people try to fit things into one another, but I don't think that's how life kind of works. Yes, there are certain things that can be negotiated, you know, communicated about, um, but I think that we are all quite different, yeah. But that sounds like a very complex idea that you would need experience with before you decide on that. So take me back to your first relationship. Do you remember still like how yes. that came about and how you spoke about this to your partners? When we discussed things, uh, my first relationship was quite non-monogamous to begin with. When we discussed things, we both upfront knew that we were at least non-monogamous. Um, it was until a bit much later that we came to know of the term polyamory. Mm -hmm. And then we felt like it really represented us, which is, you know, believing that we can love more than one person at a time. If I could roll this back a little bit, right? When we think of friends or even our kids, we don't just ascribe one type of love to them. We love them for the person that they are, not the structure of the relationship that they represent to us, mm -hmm. right? Even each child, for example, if you grow up in a family with many children, each child would experience a parent quite differently um, depending on the qualities or nature of the parent that they evoke. Mm. And each parent loves the child differently. Right? If you ask a parent like which child is a favorite child, that's always a loaded question. Mm -hmm. But it is true that parents love their children, you know, more or less equally <laughs> to different extents, but they all love them for different reasons and they all love them in a different way. Okay, so currently, are you in a relationship? Currently, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, you're not? I'm okay. Not, yeah. So, you are not dating or seeing anyone? Um, not really because I took about a year and a half, a year, year plus plus, um, to kind of refocus certain things in my life that I needed to develop as a, as a person. When you were in a relationship, did your partners have other partners? Yes, they did. How interesting. I don't know. I'm, this is mind-blowing to me because I've spoken to this with my partner before and we've talked about, okay, it was, it was an argument that we had and then this came up. We're like, why don't we just do an open relationship and not, you know, not have to deal with this or not worry about this and, and stuff like that. So to me, um, we didn't go through with it eventually. I think we just couldn't wrap our minds around how to do it or how to execute an open relationship, which 
Then I have the question, is open relationship the same as being polyamorous? It's the same thing, right? Mm. Technically. So an open relationship, you, you could say it kind of falls under the same bucket, yeah. right? But to classify things or to give it more structure, um, of course we know of unethical non-monogamy and everyone's aware of that. Cheating, affairs, right? There's no culture, there's no... That accepts that. That accepts that, yes. It's, it's always a, a moral issue, right? On the other hand, you have ethical non-monogamy where there are certain ethics and rules and values in place. Of course, to each person, these things may be quite subjective, but there is at least certain levels of norm. Um, there is some level of disclosure. There is consent, which is very, very important. There mm-hmm. is consent amongst all parties that this is aware and you know, happening. But do people often view polyamory as the same as cheating? Do you feel like there's a perception that Oh, sometimes, just... sometimes, I think it's quite common for some people to think that way mm. because when we are raised in a culture where monogamy is accepted, celebrated and institutionalized, yeah. sometimes an alternative option could be seen as deviant or could be seen as wrong. But I don't blame them because most of the time, they haven't been given the resources to really explore alternative options. How do you do that? Can we touch on that? Yeah, Take sure. us through the process. How do you communicate this? How do you set expectations and boundaries and all that? So I think for a start, um, each person, you know, prior to even exploring any sort of you know, non-monogamous relationship, and I think this is equally true and applicable and perhaps valuable for anyone, whether they are heterosexual, monogamous, it's really powerful to be able to understand these concepts, which is one, being able to practice uh, mature, safe forms of communication. So when you hold dialogue, you know, it's done in a safe space, you know, it's non-judgmental, non-confrontational, it's really constructive. Um, the second is you have to understand what your own values are, right? What your beliefs are, what your values are, and in line with that, you know, what your needs and wants and also expectations and also boundaries and limits, you know, what, what these things are as well. Because you can't enter into a into a communication kind of like a blank book. You you have to state your, you know, who you are, what represents you, you know, what, what are you comfortable with or not comfortable with. And I think in that process, as you as you talk to each person, you would realize that they too have their own very unique set of, you know, combinations, you know, different factors. When you kickstart that conversation, you know, you kind of outline what does each person want out of this, right? And if there are areas that align, that's fantastic. In fact, that's really, really good. On the other hand, if there are things that don't align, for example, if, maybe let's just use a very classic example, right? Someone might say, oh, um, I'm not familiar with or comfortable with non-monogamy, right? right? Um, In fact, I strictly believe that I am monogamous. Then this is where there's a clear disalignment. And, you know, some things can be communicated and negotiated for me. Has that ever happened to you? Like you maybe had interest in someone and you wanted to have this conversation and broach this topic, but you were met with, oh, I am not sure. I tend to bring it up within the first or second meet. Um, yeah, I don't like, like immediately. wasting people's time. Um, yeah. And I feel it's not fair to lead anyone on. So I tend to bring it up really, really quick. Sometimes even before I meet them. Yeah. Uh, for some people, it's, you know, it's a matter of where they stand. Those who might not be comfortable may upfront already know that this is not for them. And I say like, you know, thank you. Like, it's been a really wonderful opportunity. Like, you know, getting to know you as a person, interacting with you. On the other hand, some people, they don't really know what it is about. And I'm quite patient with them. To kind They're of like, open to... Yeah, just to finding... teach, right? And mm. 
to teach not with any sort of conclusion or goal in mind of like trying to convince, educate, you know, or persuade. It's really just to share information. And from then on, they can make their own free decision and whatever it is, it is. Um, yeah, so I'm quite cool with it. So how many, how many partners have you had at once? Um, I've had two at once. Two, okay. Okay, that's not... In my mind, sorry. In my mind, I was like, okay, I don't know if it's five or six or like, <laughs> is there a number to it? How many people um, can you be involved so, with at once? So there's a really interesting concept, which is, you know, in, in polyamory, we believe that love is infinite, right? We don't believe that the capacity for love is, you know, it's is a zero-sum game, right? It can be given, it, it's free. Um, it's really infinite as a resource. However, to live in a real-world scenario, we live in a world where we are limited by time, yes, energy, yeah. finance, you know, capacity, you know, emotional capacity. So each person may have their own different um, takes or bandwidths, so to speak of, in, in these different you know, constraints. And if they can handle more partners, you know, kudos to them. You know, but at the same time, it's not about collecting partners. It's not Pokemon, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're not looking to have more and more partners. Um, in, in this sense, if you can meet the needs and wants of all these partners or communicate about it to a, you know, a mutual, happy kind of conclusion, then yes. But if not, it's not ethical to be able to collect partners, so to speak of, and yeah. leave their needs and wants you know, unattended, unaddressed. Yeah. But the thing is, what I struggle to understand is how you deal with, let's say, feelings like jealousy or envy. I mean, to me... <laughs> Of course, if I were to discuss an open relationship with my partner, right? And if we're mature about it, we're like, okay, we want to just ha have an open chat about it. Let's see where it goes. But at the back of my mind, I would definitely be thinking, oh, what is he doing with the other partner? Or don't you think? Like, is that not um, something you would address? So the topic of jealousy comes up quite often. Uh, and in fact, it's a, it's a very, very common you know, issue that many people experience, whether they are monogamous or not. Um... If we were to understand the principle behind jealousy, first, it's a natural human emotion. There is no shame in feeling jealous. No, it, it is not wrong. It is not something to you know, feel bad for as a person. What matters then is how do we handle the emotions of jealousy in a mature and, I would say, calm, collected. If we were to dive a bit deeper into, into jealousy, um, most of the time, what we observe is that it's usually a need or want that is not met. And when we take the time to meet these needs and wants, um, the jealousy kind of goes away in time. But it also depends on the person experiencing the jealousy, on perhaps there are some internal matters, internal issues that they might need to resolve, whether it's you know, issues of insecurity, um, you know, FOMO or the fear of missing out. Um, these are things that it's a hand-in-hand -hand combination, right? Someone has to work on their own internal self, but also has to create safe spaces where the jealousy has less room to kind of like rear its head. Like you can't let it fester, basically. Yeah, you can't, you can't. Yeah, if not, it will become a monster that you cannot yes. control is what you're mm. saying. So, so in that relationship where you had two partners at the point, mm. don't mind me asking, mm. did you guys all hang out together? Mm, sometimes on rare occasions, we, we, we did. Usually, uh, no. Usually, no. Oh. Um, and I think people have this misunderstanding that, you know, polyamorous folks tend to just hang out in a big circle all the time. Right. Um, sometimes that happens on special occasions, but not always. Mm. Like um, birthdays, yeah, like yeah. your birthday. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Everyone wants right. to come and celebrate. Yeah. So, okay. Everyone comes to celebrate. Um, but 
I mean, we're all busy individuals, right? We all have our own lives. And so it's not fair to expect everyone to kind of like move as a group all the time. Um, and in fact, I, I respect the autonomy and the choices of my partner's lives. Yeah. So they don't, they are not obliged to hang out with each other as well. In fact, I would personally consider it quite unethical to force people to be in a friendship together um, at minimum. Yeah. So, so what are, are there different versions of polyamory? Yeah. Because, I mean, I know that's a broad, mm. you know, term, but there must be different categories or... Mm. So, how would you describe that? So, I'll reference your previous example. Yeah. Um, everybody hanging out as a big group, you know, really wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make it come across like, no, a, no, no, it, like a campfire it, thing. Or... I mean, it can be, it can be. It's quite fun, actually. Okay. Um, in, in such a setting, you know, we would call that kitchen table polyamory, where... Okay. How I mean, think that? about it. Kitchen table, everyone makes food, you know, it's like a meal. People sit down together, have like a breakfast or brunch or whatever meal you like to have. You know, it's a big group. Yeah. So that's a concept where, you know, the people within the polyamorous structure, they are in a relationship of some sort, not necessarily romantic all the time, um, with one another. Mm. So it's kind of like a big group of people, right? You have um, other structures like parallel where the partners may occasionally meet, maybe on like a special occasion, like yep. you said, birthday. Um, but most of the time, their lives don't cross. Mm. So in a way, they're like parallel lines, right? The lines, um, they move don't in tandem. In they don't intersect, intersect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You've also got other kinds of structures where this is more between each person and not so much the individuals within the group. Between each person, they are hierarchical and non-hierarchical. Yeah. For that particular example, it's more who is, I wouldn't say more or less important, but how is the division of time resources, you know, um, spread across. Um, so some partners may, in fact, want less. For myself, I'm very happy wanting less, mm. mostly because I'm quite independent. Uh, and I also realize that I don't always have, you know, a lot to give um, in terms of emotional bandwidth. So if someone wants, you know, a, a more hierarchical structure where a lot of that sort of emotional bandwidth is present, then I'm happy to take a back seat. Oh, mm. maybe it's not for so you. So it's not, it's not always a bad thing. Like, less yeah. doesn't mean bad. Yeah. Right. Less is just recognizing like what you can give and your capacity for it and what can a person accept. Yeah. So it's really about recognizing your needs, you know, in, in this particular instance. I think that also kind of applies to a monogamous relationship in a way. Like you also have to talk about expectations, yes. what I can give, you yep. know, how much I can take as well. So my my next question is, when you communicated this with your family, which I presume they know yeah. about everything, right? Yep. Did they immediately understand or did it take some time for them to to get there? Because mm. I would assume if you are in a long-term, you know, relationship in a polyamorous structure, wouldn't someone want to bring up the idea of, hey, like what's going to happen in the future? Yeah. Are we going to settle down or how? Do, do you all talk about these things? So I think my siblings were easiest to talk to. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. So you started there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I started there. Um, our siblings were, I mean, we're quite tight. You know, yeah. we, we support each other, so they're quite easy to talk to. Um, Parents-wise, I think surprisingly, my dad understood it quite easily. I think he's quite an independent thinker. Mm. So he did understand the rationale behind it. and Open-minded. Yeah. And that this response or, or this choice of life um, was not based out of some sort of trauma or some sort of, you know, insecurity or some sort of need to collect partners like Pokemon, anything like that. It wasn't based out of some, you know, bad thing. Um, it was just a way of how I saw life. Mm. My mom took a little bit more time. Mm. Um... She's, she's kind of okay with it, but, you know, I think with Asian parents, 
if you're not comfortable with a topic, you don't really talk about it all the time. Right, yeah. Um, especially if you feel like this is kind of out of your depth. Um, yeah, so, uh, but I think it's been, it's been pretty good. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, that, that is excellent to have, to be able to have open conversations, especially in Asian cultures where more things may seem taboo compared to other cultures. So, the thing is, you know, you mentioned earlier as well, uh, what I picked up was when you are in a relationship, sometimes different partners or different people, even friends, as, as you said, um, they serve as different things in your life, right? Like, for example, for me, um, I, if I want to go for a party, I will look for this group of friends. Mm -hmm. If I'm looking to talk about my deepest, darkest secrets or feelings, I will talk to this person. If I want to do this, I'll do it with my partner. So how do you then, do you segment that? Like, oh, you know, this partner, I, I think I'm more suited to do this thing and then this partner suits my needs this way. Is that yeah, how I mean, you like, segment it? Definitely, right? Um, so each partner, you know, what they evoke or what they bring to the table is also quite different. Um, and I, I really like what you mentioned about your, you know, the best friend that you have who you share your deepest, darkest secrets with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's true because sometimes when I I want to share something, it's not I, it's not like I can share with every single friend, you mm. know. Like, certain friends may not take it the same way. <laughs> right, exactly. So that could be an example. So one of my partners uh, was quite, you know, a, a kind of like home... Homebody. Homebody, yeah. I got to explore my nurturing side. Mm. Um, it also allowed me to really be able to comfortably show and give um, love. That being said, you know, I believe that all individuals within the polyamorous you know, structure of sorts should be able to practice um, open communication. They should be able to practice you know, emotional vulnerability. They should be, be able to talk about their emotions. That's always like a, a baseline. Yep. Um, but there will be some people who you connect with deeper in different ways. Yeah. So I do agree with that. We, we definitely do, you know, have people for different things. Yeah. I mean, and it's not even about a romantic partner. Yeah, it's not, it's yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> Like sometimes my partner and I fight about certain things, you know, like, oh, why why don't you want to do this activity with me? Or <laughs> I'm like, oh, but sometimes it's like this is a girl's thing or like, you know, this is something I'll do with my other friends. Mm. And, and I think like we've come to accept that not everything needs to be done together. Yeah. It'll be nice to share. Of course, most mm. of our life will intersect, but sometimes you just, you know, you select different people to mm. enjoy different things. Yeah. So I'm curious, what if one day you find one person that embodies everything? I don't think that works. <laughs> you don't think? You don't think that works? Yeah, I, I mean, like, like I told you, we're all so unique, you know, we're all so I complex. Know. It's yeah. to, to have that fantasy of one person meeting everything, being like a complete, you know, fit. Um, I don't think that works. And the way that I see life is that you and I, we are both individuals. But when we come together, it's not one plus one equal two. It's like one plus one equal three. Right. The sum is greater than its parts. Um, so I, I don't think that there's someone who would complete a person. In fact, I don't think that's right at all. We should all be complete, healthy individuals by ourselves. And when we come together with another complete, healthy individual, you know, then we have something beautiful that happens out of that, that, that interaction. Yeah. Mm. And look, chances are, you know, when you find a partner in life, it's not going to be 100%. Yeah. But if you, you know, are in a monogamous relationship, I guess it's a choice, right? You're like, okay, I can overlook certain things or... I want to be with this person. So I would like to really understand um, how does your partner uh, meet your needs or how do you meet them yourself in, in different ways? So, so I mean, that's an interesting question, right? Because I shared, I'm, I'm an open book when it comes to my relationship on this podcast as well. And we have been open about, okay, the fact that sometimes we fight about certain things. And one of the points of contention was actually my lifestyle. I am naturally a very 
extroverted person. So I, I love getting energy from people. I go out. Sometimes people say like, oh, when you're stressed, what do you do? Right? I, I go out <laughs> when I'm stressed. But sometimes yeah, yeah. people just want to internalize and stay at home or whatever it is that they want to do. So that was a point of contention for us because as we as the relationship went into like maybe two, three years or so, mm-hmm. we were like, okay, things are getting a little bit more serious. And I think the fun part kind of went into a, a bit more of like, oh, we started to live together a bit more. Uh, maybe he, th- he wasn't a big fan of me partying too much at that point. So while it became a bit of a, a sore point for us, what I was grateful for was that we communicated about it along the way. We still have to talk about it and address. Because sometimes, you know, people have a misconception that, oh, if you're wilding out there or like you're partying a lot, means you are single and available and down for anything. I think that's the concern that, that is the impression that I'm giving. The impression. The impression, which was also addressed in a previous episode with Mern, right? That being what I understand to me, a point where we constantly revisit and, and argue about, I said, okay, why don't we set some expectations? If you're not, say, super keen to always come out with me or stay, have very late nights, because he's a very productive person. He wants to wake up 6 a.m., work out, <laughs> like, you know. But to me, sometimes weekend, I don't really want to wake up at 6 a.m. I already wake up so early every day. Then I explained to him, okay, then are you okay if I find my other girlfriends who are a little bit more, you know, in tune with this part of my life, but I'll just keep you updated. Yeah. And, you know, so in that sense, I think compartmentalizing sometimes is important as well because I can't expect my partner or drag him out to somewhere that Mm. he doesn't want to be at. Yeah. And I think it doesn't, it's not healthy for the relationship too. Yeah. So in that sense, I hope that's answering your question. That's one example that I can I yeah. can give you. And I, I really like how you express this need to manage stress. Everyone everyone kind of manages it manages it differently. Right. And the way that you do it, you know, is in your own preferred style, and you don't, you know, force or drag your partner into doing something that they may not want or or need even. I mean, if like I, I need a lot of sleep as well. So just hearing about <laughs> the partying lifestyle is, I, I would be so stressed. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, you see, so this yeah. is everyone has different views in that sense. Yeah. So you stay, you sleep what eight nine hours a day. I try to sleep eight or nine hours. Yes. Wow, that is a luxury. So then it comes down to I hope you don't mind me asking your sex life. Mm-hmm. So when you discuss this, you know, with your partners, they are immediately okay, or it takes some time for them to accept, like you know, you will be having a sexual relationship with both. I mean, this is something that I bring up at the very start. Yeah. yeah. In the beginning, yeah, you in will the beginning, just... And, I, and I would never enter into any sort of relationship with no one's, you know, with, with, with all the full consent. Yeah, no, no one should be kind of, kind of caught unaware. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever been in a situation where they couldn't accept that? And no, because then I wouldn't enter into a relationship with them. Yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah, at all, <laughs> at yeah. At all, okay. Mm. I mean, for... When I discuss about this with some of my friends um, who are single right now and they do have multiple partners or, you know, just exploring and, and, and all that too. I think when it comes down to actually being in a relationship with all these people that they're sleeping mm-hmm. with, they can't wrap their minds around it. They're like, oh, maybe I don't want to enter a relationship with them at all. I just want mm. to casually experience. But they still go back to the same people. For you, um, if you're single and and still experiencing all this mm-hmm. with multiple partners, why not just continue that way? Not everyone wants that out of life, right? 
some people may truly be fine with being single and living that sort of, you know, casual life. In fact, I don't see it as a bad thing for them. If it's their choice, Live you know, your life, right? Yeah, yeah, live your life. But again, if you're in a relationship, you are not just operating by yourself. You are operating with someone else as well. And we all see this in ourselves where we have changed over time. Our needs and wants are not static. They are not something that we simply lock in the past and they stay you know, consistent all the way throughout time. They change. So if you change as an individual, if the partner or partners that you're with change in that dynamic, then it warrants a conversation of how do we do life together then? Mm. Right? If that means settling down, if that means exploring something else, right? it's really for them to, to decide how best to continue on or not continue. So in, in that sense, um, in your process right now, and in your phase of life right now, what are you looking for? Personally, um, I find that it is a truly valuable thing to experience authentic human relationships. Mm. Um, and when you know that someone has your back, you know they are not just there for the good times, but they, are re they really do have your back. And I think that's really commendable, really valuable, really precious in life. So whether it's romantic, non-romantic, sexual, non-sexual, um, I try to keep as many of these you know, um, good people in my life. Um, of course, within reasonable terms and what I can give, can't give, so on and so forth. But it's really nice to have a, a support structure. It's really nice to be able to live life in an authentic way and to be able to also support and be supported. But in that sense, do you then think we were born into this world naturally polyamorous <laughs> in that sense. You know what I mean? Okay, because we toy with the idea of having, being able to love more than one person at once and all that. But because of social construct, like you mentioned earlier, people don't really talk about it. But do you think it's only natural to feel that way? <laughs> I think if you look into different societies, um, past and present, non-monogamy is not a new thing, mm. right? I can't say for certain whether it's hard, you know, baked into us, you know, it's in our DNA of sort. I, I, I won't prescribe, you know, anything like that. I, I don't think it's right for me to say that. Yeah. Again, polyamory or non-monogamy is not a better choice. It is an alternative. It's just a different it's way a of lifestyle, living life. Right. right. At the same time, um, depending on social constructs, right, you've got polygamy, polyandry, which is, you know, multiple husbands, multiple wives, um, different structures in different societies. It's not a new thing. And I think it's up to each individual on how best to express it and perhaps to also find people you know or communities within said societal system that they live in that best kind of fits that but you were comparing a lot with monogamous relationships earlier how do you then draw that comparison like are most of your friends around you in monogamous relationships i would say most yes yeah. um most of them are in monogamous relationships uh, and, I, and I celebrate that for them. So, mm. you know, it's really beautiful to see things work out for them. So the, the, the way that I see it is a lot of the lessons that I've had, you know, come through their stories. Um, I mean, people come to me for a lot of conversations. So it's always nice to, to hear about their experiences and, and to learn together, to grow together. I have also referenced, you know, a lot of different communities who I've also spoken to that, and I, I would ask them like, you know, how, how, does, how, how does things work? Right, what drives the relationship? You know, what principles do you have? What values are there? And the way that I I contrasted things, I realized that aside from the you know big topic of non-monogamy, which is the point of today's you know kind of like discussion, 
many things were actually quite similar. Mm. Like there is more in common with monogamy and non-monogamy than things that are different. Uh, what I've outlined today is really a lot of universal concepts, you know, healthy relationships, good communication, safe spaces, yeah. you know, being able to help support each other. Those are all common things and I realised that they were more in common than things that were different. Maybe there were things that were a little bit specialised in terms of, oh, we need to manage Google calendars really well. Yeah. <laughs> scheduling. Is that a skill that you're like, <laughs> pride yourself in? Like? I've grown in uh, calendar scheduling. Oh, wow. You know, okay. Or being able to, you know, hold conversations because you're required to hold them, right? Yeah. But other than that, there's a lot more in common than, than not. Wait, so on that note, have you ever mixed up your schedule before? <laughs> yes. You did? <laughs> what happened? If you can tell us. Um, I mean, it's my fault, right? Um, didn't see my calendar too well. Maybe I misremembered things. Yeah. I. <laughs> oh no, here we go. I'm ready for it. Yeah, the, 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 the juicy tea. But the way that I talked to them was, you know, I'm sorry. Um, I mixed it up. I apologized. Mm. Um, I tried to make it up for, you know, whichever person. And I'm glad that we were all quite understanding. So Wait, so out. you missed something or you double booked? No, I double what? booked, yeah. You double yeah. booked? Usually I double booked myself by accident. Oh gosh. Uh, if it's a thing, but it's no longer a thing as much. Okay. I mean, I do that too and I'm just me. <laughs> it's just me. I don't know. I double book people sometimes too. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I felt like I came in with a lot of questions, but you broke <laughs> it down very easily for us and very clearly as well. So Gabe, thank you so much for taking your time to enlighten us because I think when it comes down to our comment section sometimes we have a lot of questions and when people ask about you know hey is it possible to love more than one person at once it's a hard topic to discuss because for a lot of my friends too like even if you sort of have feelings for someone else or you start to have feelings for someone how do you even communicate that with your partner you know that that is a tough one so thanks so much for being here with us is there anything you want to add to our audience who's viewing you today if I had to say something to the audience, it would be, you know, to really live a life that, that best, you know, represents you, to be authentic, but at the same time to not just think about, you know, other people, but to also really look inwards and to grow as a person. Um, the way that I see it is that society is better off if everyone is really mature about things, you know, they, are, they practice love, they practice consent, they practice respect. And communication. Know, and communication, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they are authentic in their relationships, in their intents. Mm, yeah, it makes the world a happier place. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Men Explain. We hope you enjoyed it. If you like this episode, hit the follow button. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Me Listen. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. That's itsclarity.co. See you next time. Bye.